Hello everybody, this is our eighth sermon looking at the book of Exodus. Today we're looking at Exodus 13 verse 17 through to verse 31 of chapter 14. Today we're looking at wisdom for a moment of panic, stand firm and move on. In 1939, at the beginning of the Second World War, the British Ministry of Information produced a poster designed to raise the morale of the public. You will all have seen it. Keep calm and carry on. Two and a half million of these posters were printed and the intention was to put them up after air raids. However, in the end, only very few of them got to see the light of day because there was a fear at the time that the message would come across as patronising. The reason then that you will all have seen this poster is because it was rediscovered in a bookshop in Annick at the turn of the century. The poster was framed, put on sale, and copies were sold to interested members of the public. From there, use of this image has exploded in number. Mugs, T-shirts, cushions, you name it, this slogan can be found on it. And of course, there are a number of humorous parodies to go alongside it. Keep calm and eat chocolate. Keep calm and drink coffee. And the very applicable, keep calm and wash your hands. That sign was found displayed in a Washington metro station. A sign of how this slogan has got right around the world in a very short space of time. I wonder why it is so popular. Of course, some will be attracted to the design. Others will be collectors of war memorabilia or anything that evokes nostalgia of times gone by. But perhaps the real reason it's become so famous is because so many people in today's world need to hear the advice. There was a pandemic of anxiety and worry long before COVID-19 arrived. Sadly, of course, levels of stress and poor mental health have only increased as lockdown has gone on. We are all looking for help and wisdom to follow, and we are desperate enough to take it from any source we can find it, even 82-year-old posters. But that is not to say that the advice given on this poster is not good. In our reading today, we saw a very similar instruction. Not so much keep calm and carry on, Stand firm and move on. This was the advice given by Moses and the Lord to the Israelites, not just in a moment of fear or worry, but as they teetered on the edge of full-scale panic. To avert disaster, they had to stand firm and move on. But just before we turn to look at the story, let me just point out one other thing worthy of note in this poster. Above the words keep calm and carry on sits the representation of a Tudor crown, the long-standing historic crown of the King of England. That crown was put on the poster as a symbol of power, an emblem to convey to the viewer the message that all the resources of empire and state were being used to protect them and to win the war. This poster was a message from the king and a call to trust in the king and his duly appointed government. Whatever we think of patriotic nationalism like this, I encourage us to allow this poster to point us in a similar direction. We're not to put our trust in earthly kings and queens, rather we're to put our trust in the king.
King of kings, the Lord God Almighty, the sovereign of heaven and earth. He has every resource and all the power at his disposal to look after his people and see that his purposes will come about. He has already defeated his greatest enemy and is making the way for peace and freedom for us all. In our reading, Israel will be encouraged to keep calm, trust in their king and then move on in file behind him as he fights their battles for them. That is still true for us today. And I hope the next few moments looking at this passage will be a great encouragement to us all as we continue to journey through this pandemic together. The story before us today is a very human story, a story of faith and panic. It is a story we all recognise. The Israelites were capable at times of great faith. Just last week we read of a clear instance of this. On the night of the Passover, God's people were asked to paint the blood of a lamb around the doorposts of their houses. Though houses with blood over the door would be saved from the death of their firstborn. That sign was not so God could distinguish between friend and foe as he passed overhead in the ancient equivalent of an aerial bombing raid. God had proved himself more than capable of doing that in the previous nine plagues when he ensured that the Israelites did not suffer in the same way the followers of Pharaoh did. Now this sign was God asking his people to go public, to declare once and for all before the Egyptians who they were and who they believed in. They were followers of God not Pharaoh. They would put their trust in the Lord. At the time, to be so open about their allegiance was risky. The Egyptians were trying to wipe the Jews out, but God still wanted them to make their stand. And the fruit of this was seen in that when the Israelites finally did get permission to leave Egypt, many ordinary Egyptians went up with them. Some Egyptians have discerned the seriousness of the situation, so, impressed by the witness of the Jews in the events of the Passover, they abandoned Pharaoh and threw their lot in with the Lord. So this was a clear example of the Israelites demonstrating great faith, and through God's strength it produced profound results. However, just a few verses later we see that the exact opposite was true as well. The Israelites were also capable of great panic. Arrogant Pharaoh had changed his mind and hardened his heart once more. He had set out with 600 of his best chariots, the challenger tanks of their day, to round Israel up and force them back into captivity. Suddenly Israel found themselves in a terrible position. On one side they had the full might of the Egyptian army charging towards them. On the other lay the deep blue sea, or the deep red sea in this instance. The people were terrified, and understandably so. Listen to the panic in their voices as they cry out in complaint to the Lord and his servant Moses. This is verse 11 and 12. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Listen to the pain, the fear, the anger. Their panic has brought them to the pitch of rebellion, the verge of giving up. If it had been allowed to go on, 
there would have been a full-scale disaster. So Israel, Israel were capable of great faith one minute and great panic the next. Their mood could change so quickly as circumstances changed around them. Does that sound familiar to you? If it does, be encouraged. You are not alone. Some of the greatest figures in church history had a similar tendency. The great reformer Martin Luther, who had the faith to stand up to the abuses of the Catholic Church, at other times writhed on the floor in agony, desperately doubting his salvation. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon, whom God used to convert and baptise literally thousands of people, at other times suffered depressive episodes. The co-founder of the Baptist Missionary Society, Andrew Fuller, endured such despair he had insomnia and would frequently break down in tears. These are greats of the Christian faith who yet also knew despondency, distress and questioned as to whether they could go on. It is also my story. At times I can be full of faith. I can stand up to preach, move from London to Isla, share the gospel at a funeral. At other times anxiety throttles me of life. I cannot get on an airplane. I cannot open the e-look if I know my writing is in there. And on the way home from church each Sunday, Emily has to put up with me being consumed by doubts as to whether the service was any good at all. In fact, if you were to look at my faith as a graph, it would resemble something close to the waves of the sea, with great highs and great lows, with very little firm ground in between. We are all human. We are all weak at times. We all know panic, anxiety and fear. We all then need help to be able to deal with it. So let us now see what happens next in the story. As soon as he has allowed the people to finish the words of their bitter complaint, Moses takes the opportunity to address them. The people are angry with Moses, but notice that Moses does not get angry with them. He knows that in this situation it would only make them panic all the more. So instead Moses starts to impart some wise advice. Let us listen to verses 13 to 14. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Stand firm, he says. Be still. Take a deep breath and remember all that you have learnt over the years. Keep calm. You will see your king act. The Lord will fight for you. It is an instruction very similar to that wartime poster. But it's not patronising and in no way is it passive either. To stand firm in a battle situation takes great courage. To refuse to surrender or give up requires determined action. There is one thing we are all called to do when our faith is teetering and we feel on the verge of panic. We are to remember. That is why Israel are to be still, so they can focus all of their energy and all of their effort on remembering. They are to remember all the signs they have recently seen, the great power of the ten plagues. They are to remember all the promises that have been made them right throughout this book so far, that the Lord is their God, that he looks upon them as his beloved firstborn, 
that he will rescue them from captivity and bring them to himself, that he has prepared a promised land for them full of blessing. They had to remember how every word that God had said so far had come true. So why doubt the rest? When we panic, we make stupid mistakes. When consumed with anxiety, we can forget even the blindingly obvious. The beginning of our reading told us that Israel had been guided through the wilderness by a pillar of cloud and fire. That is a miraculous thing, not something you see every day. They'd also been told that God had taken them on the long route through the desert to avoid them having to go to war with the Philistines. God knew that his people were not ready for combat yet. He understood that after centuries of slavery, his people were vulnerable, physically, mentally and spiritually. To the rational mind, it could not be clearer that God is involved in this and that he is personally looking out for Israel, fighting their cause and protecting them. But the Israelites did not have rational minds. As the Egyptians approached, they were panicking. That is why they must stop, stand firm, be still. They had to work hard to remember and reflect, to dwell on all that God has accomplished so far, the lengths he has gone to on their behalf. For when they do that, slowly but surely, they will realise he's not going to drop them in it now. We're to do the same today in our moments of distress with whatever is causing our anxiety, with whatever fear it is that is paralysing us, we are to stop and remember. To remember all that God has done before in our lives, the prayers he has answered, the situations he has changed. To remember the promises of scripture, the promises that God will be with us and give us eternal life. To remember who God is, the creator, saviour and ruler of the world, and that this God is on our side. This is the first step to take when in a moment of panic we are to stand firm and remember. The wartime poster said, keep calm, placing those words under the picture of a human crown. We have something even better. The Bible says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. After hearing the advice to stand firm, it's important we notice that the second part of the instruction does not come from Moses, rather it comes direct from the Lord. But it is the instruction to carry on, or more accurately, move on. Let us listen again to verses 15 to 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch up your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. In other words, the Israelites are to keep walking in faith. They are to keep taking one step at a time on the path of obedience. By giving Moses the next set of instructions about how to hold his staff up over the sea, the Lord is giving the reassurance that he will provide everything his people need just at the right time the necessary advice, strength and protection. Notice that this isn't even something the Israelites should stop and pray about. The danger of that moment with the Egyptian army bearing down on them could not have been more extreme, but this was not the time for an impromptu prayer meeting which could descend into further deliberation and fearful dithering about. God had given the people all the information they needed. They were simply to follow it. That was the duty of Moses and God's people in that moment. 
Of course, the story then tells us that once more the Israelites have great faith and they do as they are told. Their period of being still had obviously done the trick. Moses raises his staff and the people step out into where the sea had been only moments before. The east wind howls, the water divides and the Egyptian army is completely destroyed. Truly Israel saw great things when they moved on in faith. Billy Graham once said, The will of God will not take us where the grace of God cannot sustain us. Corrie ten Boom, writing from the horror of a concentration camp, wrote, The safest place to be is in the centre of God's will. God does not promise an easy life, but he does promise to give us all we need to achieve the acts he has called us to. Once we know the will of God for our life, we are to delay no longer. We are to move on and get to work. We are to put our faith into action. Every one of us here this morning are called to different things in life, but the message is the same. Don't let your anxiety stop you or hold you back. Take a moment to be still and think on who God is. Remember who it was that called you. Then press on with what you know you need to do. This is true for difficult moments throughout the whole of our lives as we seek to follow Jesus, our Saviour and Lord. Our passage then ends in a remarkable way. At the beginning of chapter 14, Israel had been so fearful of Pharaoh and his army, terrified in fact. But by the end of the chapter, they're fearing someone quite different. This is verse 30 to 31. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him. The Israelites realised that it was God alone who had won their freedom. They also recognised that God had known what he was doing all along. He had been making a way to fully destroy a threat to his people that they themselves had thought to be past. God had been right. They had been wrong. And being honest about that led Israel to believe once more and put their trust fully in him. In fact, their faith has grown. They live now with a heightened sense of reverence and awe. That does not mean to say that the Israelites would not waver again in the future. They were human like us, after all, and migration through the desert is a very difficult experience. So over the next few weeks, we will continue to see them responding with a mix of great faith and great panic. But what is noticeable is that the peaks and the troughs lessen. If you think of my graph of faith and anxiety, after the Red Sea crossing, the Israelites slowly approach something that looks a lot calmer. The sea of faith still has a role on it. We will never flatten the ups and downs completely. But as we mature, we will see them become less pronounced and shorter lasting. Our faith will begin to resemble that of some of the older believers we know of where it's more akin to a calm and steady walk of obedience, whatever each coming day might throw their way. Truly, we will realise that if we commit to following this advice of standing firm and remembering who God is, and then moving on in obedience to him, our whole characters will begin to change. As Paul would later write in Romans 12, 
we will be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Let me just finish with this final word of application. Canadian blogger Anne Voskamp recently posted this. Sometimes we want greater clarity when what we need is deeper trust. We will probably never know why this pandemic has been allowed to happen. We will also never know why we experience some of the acute suffering that we do in our personal and family lives. But we've been given enough. In those moments when anxiety is rising and panic is setting in, let us make the effort to keep calm and carry on. Stand firm and move on. Remember who God is, what he has done and what he has promised. And keep moving forwards because every step is a step closer to glory.